Good morning, race fans. 11.02 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. And welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening, as always. And hey, the Sabres or Bills didn't hire or fire anybody this morning, so we're on the air today. <laughs> that was that was a fun morning last Sunday. I, I got up, do my usual uh, routine, and uh, you know I'm, I'm on Twitter, and I'm, I'm seeing you know tweets about the, the F1 race in Russia, and then next thing you know, Doug Whaley got fired, and Terry Pagula was holding a press conference, and I'm like, oh, he's going to do it at 11 o'clock, right when we're on the air. So that quickly put the kibosh on my show for the day when uh, the owner of the Bills and Sabres decides to hold a press conference at the exact same time. And, uh, yeah, that kind of took over the discussion last Sunday. But we're back. And like I said, luckily, there hasn't been any hirings or firing since. So we can be on the air with you here this morning. Uh, phone lines are open, wide open for a segment here. 803-0551-888-550-2550. Coming up on today's program, though, uh, obviously a miserable weekend weather-wise here in western New York and southern Ontario. Uh, so no local racing roundup to get to, but we will continue our local racing season preview as we'll be highlighting a couple of the area dirt tracks, including the Genesee Speedway out in Batavia, as uh, Rich Vleck will join us at the bottom of the hour. He is the uh, voice of the Genesee Speedway. And to close out the program, we'll talk to Bob Reese from Freedom Motorsports Park out in Delavan. Uh, they've got some big, exciting things coming up for this season, including uh, especially if you're a fan of Dirt Modified Racing, they're trying something new this year. So we'll talk to Bob about that to close out the program. But again, this first segment is wide open for you, 803-0551-888-552-550. Anything you want to talk about concerning the world of motorsports, there's a lot of news to catch up on. We'll try and cover some of it here this morning. Um also, you can send us a tweet, too, at FastTrack550. We're on Facebook uh, as well, facebook.com slash WGRFastTrack. But, of course, the last the, or last week, the big thing that was going on and that I was going to spend most of the show talking about was the fact that Dale Earnhardt Jr. announced he is going to retire from being a full-time Cup Series driver after this season. That's a big, that's a, that's a bombshell in itself, right? That was uh, that was huge news. Uh, actually, that came down on my daughter's birthday, Uh I had taken the the day off from work. It was my daughter's second birthday, and we had to take her to a doctor's appointment. We were going to do some other things, and, and somewhere between the doctor's appointment and taking her to breakfast, <laughs> I, I missed the the initial announcement, the initial release from Hendrick Motorsports that this was coming down. So I kind of had spent all that day kind of playing catch up because I'd been out out about with the family. You know, I, I missed the, the the live press conference. He did that afternoon, everything. So it was kind of a weird day for me. Does the biggest news story possibly of the year concerning the sport I'm most associated with? And uh, you know, I'm doing family stuff. Not that I'm complaining about that. It just it was just weird. It just you know, figures a, a big news day like that. And um, you know, I'm looking at uh, fish at the Niagara Falls Aquarium. <laughs> so, but I've had plenty of time to think about it, obviously, because. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, and actually, if you were uh, on our website last week, WGR550.com, uh, I did do a little uh, blurb about it, uh, just uh, my thoughts and what it means to the sports, so uh, it, that's on our website still, if you, you can go back and find it, um, but hopefully you read that after the news came out, which I did that night, after I tr- tried to, tried to uh, catch up on, on everything that went down and just everybody's thoughts and everything. But obviously, this is a, a huge deal for the sport. Another departure of a major name driver, the, as he follows in the footsteps, of course, of, of Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, and Carl Edwards as well, too. And the the announcement itself, not a surprise. I mean, we we expect we didn't expect Dale Jr. to be 
being an active driver for much longer, you know, as old as he is, over the age of forty, and recently married, and the concussion issues and everything. That was the you know, that that part of it was wasn't a, a shocker. Um, maybe that it came so early in the year. I guess that might have been a little bit of surprise that he didn't wait to do it till later in the year. But uh, you know, because now he's got to kind of deal with that aspect, that storyline following him for the rest of the season. I mean, maybe wait till later in the year so you don't have to deal with those questions from now until November. But he chose to announce it when he did. But um, this is obviously, as I said, it's leaving a huge hole in the sport. The the sport's most popular driver, what is it, fourteen years in a row, or, or however many years in a row, he's been the the sport's most popular driver basically since Bill Elliott retired from full time competition. He's been the sport's most popular driver for the voting for that award, and the most the most recognizable name in the sport is stepping aside, and it leaves it it leaves the sport with another hole to fill. But I don't think it, it's as bad. As as many people are, are worried, it, it it's going to be. Uh, I think there there's a lot of talent that is name talent that is going to be around for years to come. Will they have the reach as a Dale Earnhardt Jr.? No, because of that that last name and everything and who he is. But um, there's still plenty of, of great talent that is following in his his footsteps, and there there's more to come around the corner as well too. I mean, you look at some of the the younger talent in the sport, and, and we're getting a, a big dose of it this year with the the fact that Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott are, are you know near the are, are leading the point standings. They've been two of the best drivers so far this season, uh, and they're going to be maybe the face of the sport here uh, in just a few years. Uh, uh, and Dale Jr. mentioned them by name at his press conference, two people he was excited about. And I think they have great connections to the fan base. Of course, Chase Elliott, of course, another driver with a famous last name and a famous racing father in Bill Elliott. Uh, so you've got that going for him. He's got a lot of talent. Um, maybe not the most outgoing personality in the world, a little shy, but that can be developed and uh, as he gets a little more mature and he gets a little more comfortable in, in being the in that role, uh, you know he could he could maybe be the the most likely candidate to kind of play re, uh, replace Junior as uh, that, filling that role of, of of being maybe one of the most sports popular drivers. And I think uh, he might be someone that, depending on who fills Junior's seat in the eighty eight, he could become that next most popular driver in the sport based on the fact that a his last name, Bill Elliott, was immensely popular in his heyday, of course. So you've got that connection right there. And B, he's driving. He's filling in for Jeff Gordon. He took or he took over for Jeff Gordon in the 24 car. There's another fan base that's following him right along. And uh, again, a, he could pick up a lot of Dale Jr. fans because of his who the team he drives for, his kind of image, um, his being a, a Southern boy like like Dale Jr. and everything. I, I think he he's a, he's a, a logical choice. Uh, to maybe fill in that role for Dale Jr. Still needs to get a little more on-track success, success in the Cup Series. You know, still needs to get that first win. But he's very young in his career. And, uh, you know, eventually he could be uh, the, the, maybe the sport's next Dale Jr. Uh, and then you got Larson, who is an immense talent as well, too. I mean, the, he the, does th- amazing things with the race car out there. And he is finally, uh, hit him and, and his Ganassi racing team have hit on something this year. And that's why he's leading the points. But he uh, has a, a great style behind the wheel. Uh, you know, you know, you know, he, he will uses his sprint car roots to on how he drives that cup car. And uh, that tie into sprint car racing and grassroots racing, that is huge for NASCAR right now. 
uh, to, to keep that, that connection to local grassroots racing with him. Uh, you know, running those 25 or so sprint car races a year that's that's built into his contract that he's allowed to do. Uh, the fact that he loves to go do that, that he spends his offseason, you know, in Australia running sprint car races, that connection to that fan base. I mean, you've got the, the junior fan base to, to connect to, but uh, you also have that grassroots racing fan base to try and keep connected to because, I, I mean, um, for, for, for local track regional grassroots whatever you want to call that style of racing i mean sprint car racing is the biggest thing in the country when it comes to that level of sports the world of outlaws the all-star circuit that tony stewart owns i mean you see what the the chili bowl draws every january in tulsa oklahoma that that's a that's a big deal it's not nascar indycar level stuff but it's still a big draw in the motorsports world so you want to stay connected to that fan base, and you're going to do that with Kyle Larson because he's still very active in that side of the sport, and that's where he came from and has a lot of fans that uh, followed him over into the NASCAR stuff. So those are two you know, personalities that you know, maybe not today, maybe not next year, but, but five, three, five years down the road, they could be leading the charge. But I think currently you've still got a lot of great young talent that's maybe not as old as you think it is or – you know, that they're young enough that they're still going to be around in the sport for several years. I mean, you look at some of the top guys. Kyle Busch, is, you know, he's just just past 30. You're going to see him probably for eight to ten more years uh, as long as he stays healthy. Uh, I know he had that broken leg issue and, and everything. Maybe that will maybe have him rethink his future. Who knows? But, you know, Kyle's a racer. He still runs late models, so he's going to be around another eight to ten years. I mean, you look at the Penske guys. I, I know they have their their haters out there, but Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, again, two other young guys. Joey Logano's only 26 years old. You're going to see Joey around for a, a, at least 10 years, I think, as well. And, and Keselowski, too, uh, still in his early 30s. So there is still a, a lot of young talent. And, and maybe not young is the word because those guys are a little more seasoned veterans, but just in drivers in their prime that you know that can take over i mean we we see this this change of talent every so often we saw it when the when the names like Elliot and Mark Martin and, and Rusty Wallace and them when they stepped aside you know and, and there was a little trepidation in the industry you know who's going to be that that next core group of stars and luckily we got it with folks like Earnhardt and Kenseth and Carl Edwards and Kurt Busch and Dale Jr., you know, and all these guys that came through and kind of led led the sport through the early 2000s. And, of course, you had Jeff Gordon, who had been around since the early 90s, but he also he kind of bridged that gap. So you've, I think Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, they're probably that bridge between this current generation that takes us to the next generation NASCAR talent. They're kind of like bridging those two eras, much in the same way that people like you know, Jeff Gordon bridged us from the stars of the the, the 1980s and early 1990s in, into the the era that uh, we're just I don't know that we're in right now or are starting to come to the end of right now with the the Stewarts and Gordons and Earnhardts and Edwards and everybody they kind of bridging that gap between those two eras. So I find it very fascinating. Um, excuse me. Um, of the the fact that there is still, I, I think you, you'll have plenty of name talent in this sport uh, for years to come, and I don't think there's going to be that big big a void uh, of star power in NASCAR because I think they're they're it's installed and there's still more to come too. I mean, you look at what's coming down the pike. You've got Eric Jones, you've got Daniel Suarez, Ryan Blaney, uh, 
if Bubba Wallace, if he's trying, but uh, maybe if he gets some help there at Rush Fenway, you know, there's there's a great group of young talent that are savvy in social media, uh, which is also one of the, the attractive parts of Dale Jr., you know, that they're great talent as well, too. And if they can, you know, either improve as a driver or get hooked up with the right team and win some races, they can also become uh, the next faces of NASCAR. Again, 803-0551-888-552-550. But, you know, I will miss Dale Jr. as an active uh, Cup Series driver. He's not retiring from racing altogether, you know. He's already admitted that with his contracts over at GR Motorsports, he's got two Xfinity races he's got to run next year. And uh, I guess this weekend already, Junior said that if he somehow, if he or not somehow, but if he wins a poll this year, which would make him eligible for next year's clash at Daytona, that he would potentially talk to Rick Hendrick about, uh, you know, getting a ride for just for the clash, you know, because that would just you know help sell sponsorship and and make them some extra money. So it's not the last time you're going to see him in a race car. He even he's talked a lot about you know just going to run some late model races at Hickory Motor Speedway down there in North Carolina, which is where one of the places where he got his start growing up. So uh, he's not going to be he's not done being a race car driver. Period. Much maybe like how Jeff Gordon's retirement has been, minus when he had to fill in for Dale Jr. last year. Uh, you know, I think you'll see him uh, in the track or on the track a few more times uh, before he fully calls it quits from being a race car driver, period. And he'll still be around, you know, with JR Motorsports, obviously. You'll, uh, he'll be at the track. You know, who knows if he gets into the broadcast booth. Um, I don't know where it would be. Maybe he just, you know, from time to time you see him on Fox or something. But with, since they've got Jeff Gordon, you know, there's not, there's like immediate opening in the broadcast booth. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't be surprised that you don't, you won't see uh, Dale Jr. On, on TV someday as well either. Uh, again, 803-0550-1888-552-550. And the other th- thing about Dale Jr., you know, uh, I guess I've always, I've never been a Dale Jr. fan, and I'm really not a fan of his fans, uh, some of them at least. It, it, um, they, they can be quite obnoxious. But I th- Dale Jr. as a person is a, is, seems to be a really cool guy, especially this, the the Dale Jr. of now. Maybe not the Dale Jr. of 10, 15 years ago when he was still driving the eight car, you know, he was, um, uh, you know, a brash punk kid almost kind of, you know, partied a lot. And I, I'm sure that the stories are epic, but he has changed in, in since since his father passed away in 2001. And in these last 16 years, he has changed a lot as a person. He has matured and he's gone from being this, uh, you know, guy with the the bleach blonde hair and the party guy and he's become like this mature figure in the sport and he's all the you know his his fondness for the the history of the sport and all you know he he does those um uh when they show the classic races on fox sports one he's always you know kind of the mc for those and you know his great appreciation for the history of the sport that also makes him popular so that's something i've always liked about him and the fact that he is so social media savvy, you know what he's done on what he does on Twitter, uh, you know the fact that when he uh, crashed out a couple of weeks ago, he was on Periscope driving back to the airport before the race even ended. Uh, I thought that was pretty amazing too. So he is uh, he's definitely one of the sport's all time great personalities. I may, I may have never been fan of Dale Jr. the driver, but I'm definitely a fan of Dale Jr. the the personality and the ambassador for the sport. And uh, I think that's something we'll miss. But obviously, you know, he'll he'll still be on Twitter and everything, but he just won't be 
an active Cup Series driver. Uh, the other big story that I wanted to touch upon this week uh, was more recent, just came down on uh, Thursday, I believe it was, and that concerns Joey Logano's win at Richmond last week. Yeah, of course, uh, Brad Keselowski dominated the most of the race at Richmond last Sunday, but Joey Logano and, and crew chief Todd Gordon, they uh, did a little pit strategy late in the race and got out in front and were able to uh, steal the win, I guess, from their teammate for Logano's first win of the season. However, Thursday we found out that Joey's team, the 22 team, is facing a level one penalty from NASCAR. And for the first time since NASCAR created this rule uh, last year is that Joey's Logano, Joey Logano's win is an encumbered win. Which means, if you don't remember or haven't been following along, is that, that the win, he's still credited as the winner in the record books. However, that win he cannot use to qualify himself for the playoffs. So technically he could, you know, if he doesn't win another race for the rest of this year and doesn't finish finish high enough in the points, that win will not automatically qualify him for the playoffs. And he also does not get the playoff points that come with the win. So that'll cost him five points um, come playoff time. So that that's the first time in, uh, again, since the rule's been created that we've had this encumbered win and NASCAR kind of created this rule, you know, to, to try and, prevent teams from from cheating to try and win a race to qualify themselves for playoff eligibility and and to um deter them from doing that and uh, this is the first time that the rules come into uh into use because they found and they didn't find this until after the car had left Richmond the NASCAR took the car they confiscate the car which they do almost after every winning race car just about the NASCAR takes possession of the car and they take it back to their R&D center in North Carolina and they tear it down further, more, much more than they would in, in regular post-race inspection or pre-race inspection. And they kind of go through it with a fine-tooth comb and, and see what's in there. And they found something in the rear suspension and I am no mechanic, so I, I can't really describe in detail what part was illegal, but it's something to do with the in the rear suspension, uh, something with the rear truck arms and how they line up and... I don't know, the word shims was used, and I, I got lost from there. But basically, they found something in the rear suspension that they didn't like. And it kind of ties in to that whole thing you kind of see on the cool-down lap. And you even saw it last week when Brad Keselowski pulled up alongside Joey Logano, congratulate him on the win, when you see these guys weaving back and forth after the race, kind of like they do under caution to keep the heat in the tires. But they're doing that to kind of fix something in the rear end so it lines up better to to pass inspection. Well, Joey didn't do that, although he, you know, he did do burnouts and everything after the win, but apparently he didn't do that weaving back and forth and it it didn't I don't know if that's by design, but it, it did not help at least to uh get these this these rear end parts lined up better. And uh we just saw that two uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, a couple guys were uh taken um, they received penalties for for weaving after the checkered flag. Uh, I believe it cost them some uh, track time during practice. Uh, I think last week at Richmond, actually. So, and that's something that's been kind of driving me crazy. I hate little cheating things like that because I'm very black and white when it comes to rules. And uh, I know NASCAR kind of cracked down on on the drivers doing that weaving after the race to whatever it did to the rear end. And uh, and so this is possibly had something to do with it as well too so joey is again still credited as a winner but uh todd gordon his crew chief's getting suspended it cost him 25 points and the encumbered win and there's been a lot of talk this week should 
NASCAR take wins away for rules violations. And I, I, this one, uh, as as much as I am black and white when it comes to rules, I don't. I think that this is maybe not a gray area, but I think there's different levels uh, of when a win should be taken away. It all goes back to the France, Bill France, the late Bill France, the fact that he would never take a win away because he didn't want the race fans that came to the track to find out when they got home or when they read the paper on Monday morning to find out that someone else had won the race that they had attended. Well, we're in the 21st century now, obviously, with you know post-race coverage and social media and everything that if that were to happen a race fan would probably know in driving home from the race that it, or you know or listening to to the radio or, or whatever that they would know before they got home probably that someone else had won the race so um if 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 a car is found if there if NASCAR does a post race inspection uh, on the winner and they find something that day at the track then yes i think they should have the win taken away and should be you know full loss of points and you know whoever finishes second should be awarded the win but the, the the situation we got with Logano, where they didn't find out anything was wrong until they tore apart the car on the day after or Tuesday, whenever it happened at the R and D center, uh, I think this was the right call. The encumbered win, I think, is the is the call, the better call than stripping the win four days after the fact. That would I I think not it it just uh, it it wouldn't look good. And, and if you're if you're not finding it at the track right after the race, then you know how much of a difference was it that uh, you, you know if if it was that big a violation? Why did why wasn't it found at the track? So in, in this case, I think the right call is the encumbered win rule. I like this rule um, that it that keeps that keeps guys from getting that playoff spot because of this win that might be tainted. Uh, I like that call. But if you know they find if they take the car out of victory lane, take it to tech, and find something wrong that day. Then by all means, you know wins should be stripped, especially when it comes to you know there's always that kind of like holy trinity of cheating, whether it's tires being manipulated, fuel being manipulated, or the engine you know being manipulated or, or cheated up or whatever. Those are the kind of the big three things you know that that should really when it comes to cheating, those are the three worst things you can do. And then some of the other smaller stuff might not be as bad or be as big an advantage. Um, so again, if, if they find something wrong like that and they find it in post-race inspection, by all means, you know, win should be taken away and you know, full loss of a win and the victory should be given a second place. But again, when you find something two days after the race, uh, after you've gone through the car with a fine tooth comb, I am fine with penalties and encumbered wins uh, and the like. Again, 803-0551-888-550-2550. Logano uh, was was very open uh, after, so far this weekend at Talladega, he's been pretty open. He's uh, answered questions. Everybody, you know, Penske is not, Penske Racing is not hiding from this ruling one bit. They've, uh, he and Todd Gordon have answered questions about it all weekend. Um, Joey Logano's called the penalty severe, but fair, and, uh, it was, uh, you know, kind of de- defending his team and everything, but he has not been uh, hiding from it. And uh, Logano will start 12th today at Talladega, and I won't be surprised if Logano bounces back and wins today because Joey Logano might be uh, the best restrictor plate driver in NASCAR currently, and that includes Dale Earnhardt Jr., uh, who hasn't, hasn't won a plate race in a couple seasons now. But I-, I think Joey Logano is one of the best, if not the best, restrictor plate racer in NASCAR currently. Uh, he... Uh, didn't win the Xfinity race yesterday, but was still up front. And his mastery of being able to 
control the draft when he's out in front is uh, very good. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Logano bounces back and wins today's race at Talladega. The Geico 500, you can hear right here on WGR, by the way. Coverage coming up at uh, 1 o'clock this afternoon from MRN. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse on the pole. Dale Earnhardt Jr. will start alongside, and Talladega will go nuts if Earnhardt wins the race today. Uh, Brad Keselowski, Matt Kenseth in row two. Trevor Bain, Kevin Harvick in row three. Daniel Suarez, Chase Elliott in row four. Paul Menard, Kyle Busch round out the top ten starters for today's race at Talladega. Uh, we're going to step aside here. When we get back, we're going to get back to our local racing season preview. Uh, Ridge Leck from Genesee Speedway will join us when we get back here on Fast Track on WGR. Hey, this is Ricky Stenhouse Jr., driving number 17 Fastenal Ford. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. That is the pole sitter for today's race at Talladega. Again, you can catch that here on WGR. Coverage starts at 1 o'clock. Uh, it is the month of May. That means we're getting closer to one of the best days on the calendar. Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. Of course, the big three motorsports events that day. The Grand Prix of Monaco, the Indianapolis 500, and the Coca-Cola 600. And the month of May just starting to amp up in Indianapolis and in Speedway, Indiana. As uh, things are starting, business starting to pick up there at the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Of course, uh, this coming Saturday is the IndyCar Grand Prix. That, of course, is the road course race at the Brickyard that they started. I think this is like year three or four for that. That's uh, coming up this Saturday uh, at 3:50 p.m. They'll run the road course race, and we're just three weeks away from the greatest spectacle in racing: the 101st running of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, big news, of course, surrounding the race this year involving Fernando Alonso, who is uh, coming to, uh, he's going to skip the Grand Prix of Monaco because he drives in F1 for McLaren. He's coming to the States, and McLaren and he have teamed up with Andretti Autosport to enter the Indianapolis 500. He recently did a rookie test that was streamed live on Facebook and YouTube, and that had huge uh, views and, and hits and everything around the world. So that it created a, a big uh, social media buzz. So hopefully this ramps up interest in the 8500, which has actually had a lot of attention the last couple of years, combined with the 100th anniversary of the race and everything. And it looks like uh, Alonso's involvement will uh, keep the the interest high and, and the the ticket sales high there for uh, the the running the 101st running of the Indianapolis 500 coming up at the end of the month. So we'll be talking more about that in the coming weeks. Right now, though, let's go to the AT&T hotline and bring in a gentleman I've shared a microphone or two with at Dirt Tracks around the region. You also may remember him from such TV programs as Hot Wings TV and the Atomic Power Racing Hour. The voice of the Genesee Speedway, Rich Vleck, joins us. Rich, good morning. What's up, my man? Dave, how are you doing? Good to talk to you. Doing well and great to talk to you. Uh, unfortunately, man, I hate these weekends that are just miserable and you don't get any racing. These are the worst kind of weekends in racing season, Rich. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, you you have to budget in a rainout or two in May. Um, last year at Tennessee, we had one rainout. It came, I think, at the uh, beginning of August, and we kind of knew that going into this year, we had uh, we had filled our quota last <laughs> year of uh, getting lucky. So, unfortunately, here without uh, getting a green flag on the competitive part of the season, we have already equaled 
our rainout total from last year. But, uh, you know, if things are okay going forward, we'll be all right with that. Yeah, we had that, that long, hot summer last year. Yeah, that was uh, that was quite a stretch run. But uh, it's still a bummer when you don't get to see – a, a weekend goes by and you don't get to see one lap of racing no matter where you go. Well, uh, that postponed the season opener at Genesee Speedway, so you guys will try it again. Uh, this Saturday night to kick off the 2017 season out there at the uh, the Genesee County Fairgrounds. What is on tap this season that fans should know about at the Genesee Speedway? Well, last year was the first year of a new promotership of Jim Johnson, Pam Johnson, and uh, Mike Fisher. And they uh, they were very pleased with the way things went. Like I said, only one rainout will help that along the way. Um, pretty much the same schedule, but added a few dates onto it. Um, we run every single Saturday night that we possibly can with the um, Crate Late Models, Crate Sportsmen, the Street Stocks, Mini Stocks, Bandits, and then 360 Late Models run about three out of every four events. And um, we also added on this season a, a very special event on Thursday, July 6th. That's going to be a ULMS Super Late Model event that I know a lot of people in the region are looking forward to. Um, that's going to be a big show. And then, uh, of course, we have our Fair Night. Two weeks later on Thursday, July the 20th, that's always a big event. And at the end of the year, we did add something on past Labor Day. It's the first annual Topless Crate Nationals featuring $2,500 to win events for both the sportsmen and uh, crate late models um, on that Sunday show late in the year. Uh, real quick, for, for fans that don't know, when you call it the, the topless crate nationals, uh, define the, the term topless when it comes to motorsports, because obviously it draws different kinds of images depending on who's listening. <laughs> yes, of course. Basically, uh, they're taking the the roof off the uh, driver's compartment, and the roll cage is open as if a uh, open, uh, or a non-wing uh, sprint car for for those of you that can get that visual image. So it looks a little bit different. There's still a lot of body panels all over the car, except you can fully see the driver and their helmet. All right. That, yeah, that sounds exciting, a, a late, big late-season event. Uh, looking back at last year, Rich, uh, the great late models there at Genesee Speedway, quite the class. It looks like you had 10, 11 different feature winners last season in, in the crate late models. You know, that really was the cool thing. We didn't have a huge car count. It was our first year at Genesee ever having crate late models on a weekly basis so the division had to grow a little bit and a lot of times and dave you can attest to this when you see a new division come along one or two people really get a handle of it and they take over the division for a few years until it gets established Mm. that was not the case last year we had a just about a new winner every single week there were some drivers that would come in and maybe barnstorm pick up a win for a few weeks and then you wouldn't see them for a few but uh almost every driver that ran there on a weekly basis was able to pick up at least one win on the year, and there were some pretty cool stories along the way. Um, even more drivers are going into that late model rank, so it continues to grow, and um, I think you're going to see another fine battle with that. And then our sportsman division, we had 50 different competitors there last year, and as you know, that uh, division continues to get stronger and stronger. We had, I believe, 20 cars there two weeks ago on our first practice session wow. in the sportsman ranks. Yeah, the, the sportsman thing, uh, I see it, of course, at Ransomville. Uh, it, it it seems like that these tracks uh, that start these novice sportsmen, that this is, it, it, instead of drivers, you know, maybe going the the street stock sportsman modified route, it, it's now you're starting to see kids, they go go-karts, but they go right to the sportsman, thanks in part to some of these novice sportsman classes at tracks like Merrittville and Ransomville. And that, combined with the crate engine program, the, the sportsman, the sportsman field in the area has just 
just increased in size immensely the last couple of years. Well, the economics of things have changed, too. The availability of street stock and mini stock parts compared to a sportsman, it's not that much different. Yeah. And people can afford to go do that and get themselves set up for that next level. And I'm with you on the novice sportsman thing because not only are they able to get into that division at a more economical uh, price point, but you're also allowing the division to not have uh, drivers that are breaking in maybe a little bit too early competing with those that are veteran drivers that know exactly what they're doing in their cars. And with a sportsman or any other crate-powered division, um, it, drivers are v- much more difficult to pass because they are all under the same power plant. Mm-hmm. Um, their cars are much more equal, like we talked about with the late models having so many different winners. So when you do have a novice division, uh, it does allow for for those drivers to work their bugs out a little bit before they get into the mix because, boy, any crate division that you have from uh, about 5th back to 15th, it's a hornet's nest. Indeed. Rich Vleck joining us from Genesee Speedway. Rich, one of the most interesting things about Genesee is kind of the the groups you, you, you try and draw in. I, I mean, you're there you are in Batavia, kind of in between uh, the the western tracks of you know Ransomville, Merrittville, Humberstone. You're, you got those tracks to the west. Then you go to your east, and you have all of those huge central New York tracks. But you you, you also try and play to the southern tier folks with the late models. So it, it's you, you guys do a really good job at kind of catering to both markets with the late models and the sportsmen, kind of almost sharing the the top billing there at Genesee Speedway. Absolutely, uh, you said it uh, just right on that because. If you think of the premier division at most of those trucks that you mentioned, whether it be the Ransomville, Merrittville, Humberstones, or the Wonder of Central New York, it's modified country. And there's some areas that you can go down into Pennsylvania. It's sprint car country. Genesee is definitely a late model first racetrack, and that's why the crate late models, um, it was a great addition to the schedule. That's why it's such a big deal that the ULMS super late models are going to be coming in something we do not see uh, on the throughway effectively at all is mm. a full-blown late model at this stage. Um, so that is a big deal, but the sportsman certainly produces a strong car count. We do get a mix of drivers coming from east and west. And then uh, when you sprinkle in some of the cars that are coming from point south, um, it, it does add right into it. Like the 360 late model division, that we, as I said, run about 12 to 15 times um, with the Woodhall Raceway and the Little Valley Speedway dropping that division over the winter. Genesee is the only track still running that class. Hopefully it uh, works out for you guys this season. Uh, Rich, last thing before I let you go, I kind of teased your your TV work as well, and you've got some some TV action coming up. I I, I don't know what your atomic power schedule is, but you're going to be doing some work with the folks over at the Weed Sports Speedway too and getting some appearance on uh, MAV-TV. Yes, uh, there is some big news that we hope to have out this week. Um, as you saw yesterday or the day before it came out, that uh, I'll be part of the Pit Road broadcast at Weedsport Speedway for their events on MAV-TV as part of Speedsport. Um, they're going to have three Super Dirt Series races and three Empire Super Sprint shows, which we're pretty excited about. But there's more TV work um, that I've got in the plans both at Weedsport and at points around that you may be familiar with, wink, wink, <laughs> um, hopefully coming up over this summer. The Atomic Power Racing Hour name, I think we're going to rebrand it into something else, um, and we'll have that announcement hopefully this week about uh, a lot of TV that we'll have be, be able to offer both the, those that are satellite customers and uh, that are on now Spectrum Sports. 
um, that get Spectrum, which was formerly Time Warner Cable. So mm. pretty excited about what we've got in plans for 2017. Well, Rich, I have always been impressed with your work, both at the track and on television. I know you've been, uh, you've been, you're the best in the region when it comes to the TV stuff, uh, going back to Hot Wings and, and everything you've done since. So uh, looking forward to your big announcement this week, and I uh, wish you the best of luck uh, working with uh, the folks at MAV-TV in Wheatsport. And uh, real quick, just... Look at what they've done. I mean, I, I, you have much more experience with the TV stuff than I do, but look at what the folks at, at Weedsport, you know, the Phelpses, the, along with Matt Thomas, what they put together, that production, production truck. Who, know, who knew, you know, 10, 15 years ago we'd see a local racetrack that would put together a TV studio, mobile TV studio like that, and see some of the stuff that they're able to put out? Well, of course, there's got to be capital to make that work, and Al Hanke and everybody uh, has has worked really hard to make sure – that they're funding this the right way, but you're right. The Weedsport production side of things is no uh, is no small feat. And even last week, there was a practice session there on Sunday morning. Um, ten cars were practicing, and there was a whole throng of of crew that was filming it. And we were out there doing interviews and getting things ready for the season. Um, that is a second to none uh, production uh, team, especially in the dirt racing world with the capabilities to go other places with a great production truck. And I know that they've got a big show coming up in two weeks uh, with the World of Outlaws on the Sunday night and the Super Dirt Car Series on the Big Block Monday night show. Yep. Um, if you've never been to Weedsport, it's, uh, it's quite an experience. And I know uh, not many racetracks have a big video board. I know Ranceville has it now, but uh, that's a pretty cool feature where you can go to a racetrack and be able to see those replays live. Yeah, they are definitely leading the way with uh, technology with that and the LED lighting and everything they've accomplished over there. Rich, uh, uh, for, again, for more information, genesee-speedway.com. Best of luck with the TV stuff and also best of luck this year out there at Genesee. Thanks for the time this morning, my friend. Absolutely, Dave. Thanks for having me on. All right, Rich Vleck from Genesee Speedway. And again, they kick off their season, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, this Saturday night out there at the Genesee County Fairgrounds. Again, genesee-speedway.com for more information. We get back, we'll close out the program with Bob Reese from Freedom Motorsports Park here on Fast Track on WGR. Hey, race fans, it's Dave Buchanan for my friends at Batavia Downs, and I hope you were there yesterday. I mean, one of the, the biggest day of the year in horse racing, and uh, I know uh, Ryan from Batavia Downs was uh, live with Brian Koziel and Dan Cave here yesterday afternoon, and uh, if you want to wager on live harness racing or, or horse racing, including the, the Triple Crown, you can go to Batavia Downs and do that. Uh, that That's one of the great things about going to Batavia Downs. Uh, they've got the harness racing there, but you can also wager on horse racing around the country, including Churchill Downs uh, and the Triple Crown events. And you can do it all from the comfort of uh, their indoor gaming facility right there at Batavia Downs. They've got tons of great slot machines, over 800 of the hottest in-demand video game machines. They've got putting in new machines all the time, all your favorite ones. And, of course, now they've got the hotel there, too, so you can uh, you know make it an overnight stay with uh, you and your significant other. And uh, you, you can make a great night of it with uh, wagering on horse racing, playing the video game machines, and, and stay the night there at Batavia Downs. Uh, be sure, also, while you're there, to stop by 34 Rush, the Thurman Thomas, the sports bar right inside Batavia Downs. They've got all those HD TVs, so you can watch triple crown races or harness racing, or you can watch hockey playoffs or baseball or 
Auto racing, of course, too. You can do it all from there inside 34 Rush. It's a great place to hang out and watch some sports. And uh, you can also place your wagers from right inside 34 Rush. Uh, Batavia Downs Gaming is open every day, 8 a.m. until 4 a.m. And they're right off the thruway, exit 48. For more information, be sure to follow Batavia Downs Gaming on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date info on all promotions. And discover why Batavia Downs Gaming is the area's premier entertainment destination. And tell them you heard about them right here on Fast Track. Hi, this is Dylan Hart Jr., driver of the Nationwide Exalta Chevrolet. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. And Dale Jr. will start second for today's Geico 500. Again, you can hear it here on WGR. Coverage starts at uh, 1 o'clock, courtesy of our friends of the Motor Racing Network. Green flag just after 2 o'clock this afternoon. No rain in the forecast down in Talladega, Alabama. Uh, also, things are pretty in Atlanta today, where NHRA is the uh, Lucas Oil Southern Nationals for the Melville Drag Racing Series. Tony Schumacher, number one qualifier in Top Fuel. Courtney Force set a new track record in Funny Car. Bo Butner in Pro Stock. Eddie Craywick in Pro Stock Motorcycle. Last week at NHRA in Charlotte for the Four Wide Nationals, the coolest event of the year for the NHRA. I love the Four Wide Nationals. Uh, I had to check that out. Uh, Steve Torrance got the win in top fuel. Ron Caps in funny car. Chris McGahey in pro stock. And I think the pro stock's like six for six this year with uh, different winners this year. And uh, Ellie Tonglet in pro stock motorcycle. Tough break for um, Mike Janis from Lancaster. Uh, didn't look like he made the field in pro mod as this was uh, the first year the pro mod cars got to do the four wide. Usually um, the, uh, the sportsman classes, usually they just do two lane racing, but the pro mods did four wide, but at least based on the results that I saw online that uh, Mike attempted to qualify but didn't make the uh, eliminations field. So uh, things will continue on for NHRA today in Atlanta for the uh, the Southern Nationals. Uh, so that'll uh, that'll be on Fox Sports uh, later today. Uh, unfortunately, not getting, being able to touch base with Bob Reese this morning from Freedom Motorsports Park. They kick off their season uh, this Friday night, as do uh, the Ransomville Speedway. Uh, as they got their season opener washed out on Friday night. Of course, uh, Freedom's got the, their new modified division, and I wish Bob was here to explain it better, but basically they're kind of taking this approach where uh, it's really opened up their modified rules, small block, big block, you know, uh, is whatever you want to bring. Uh, they'll be running modifieds on a weekly basis, and they're kind of drawing guys from all over, whether it's uh, Western New York guys, Central New York guys, uh, some of the Pennsylvania uh Tracks that run modif- big block modifieds too. They're kind of drawn from uh, Woodhall, even. They're kind of draw- drawing from all over. Uh, Patrick Emerling, the uh, reigning Race of Champions pavement modified champion, also going to be making some starts at Freedom as well, too, in a dirt modified. And actually, Patrick made his dirt modified debut last weekend at the Utica Rome Speedway. Uh, finished 15th, uh, I think out of 23 cars. Uh, just really out there making laps from uh, all reports that I read, but uh, a new challenge for uh, Pat Emerling. As he expands to doing some dirt racing, uh, basically uh, sold uh, one of his TQ midgets that he ran indoors during the winter month to to pick up this uh, dirt modified, and it's a outstanding looking ride for Patrick, and uh, he's going to be making some starts at Freedom uh, among other places uh, this season uh, around the region. Um, so coming up this weekend, you've got uh, again Friday night, you've got the openers at. Uh, Ransomville and Freedom, both tracks opening up their seasons. Saturday, you've got uh, the Genesee Speedway opener. Uh, you've got um, uh, Merrittville and Lancaster, of course, too. Uh, Lancaster going back to Saturday night racing this week. They had done their usual uh, you know, uh, afternoon races to kick off the season, including yesterday's was supposed to be an afternoon show, but it got rained out. So uh, they go back to their usual 6.30 start time. Uh, this Saturday night with their three weekly divisions plus the New York Superstock Series will be uh, in 
in town for uh, their lone visit to Lancaster this season. That should be an interesting race uh, with some bonus money up for grabs. It's a Mike Juliker tribute race, and uh, the New York Super Sox series usually brings a, a good field of cars, so uh, that should be an added bonus this Saturday. Also, uh, this Saturday, the Race of Champions Modifieds, uh, race two of their season, will be at the Oswego Speedway as Oswego kicks off their year as well this Saturday. So the Race of Champions Modifieds will be part of the action along with the Super Modifieds and Small Block Super Modifieds. Uh, of course, uh, the Race of Champions Modifieds ran Lancaster last weekend, and Andy Jankowiak picked up the win. Uh, kind of a big deal for Andy, his first modified win at Lancaster for all the other classes in, he's won in at Lancaster throughout his young career, his first modified win. Also significant for the first win for Andy uh, in his first start, driving for uh, Tom McGrath as uh, they've partnered up this year to run uh, the majority of the ROC schedule. And uh, so that was a fun deal last Saturday at Lancaster. So he'll be at Oswego uh, as well. Uh, kind of a, a blessing in disguise, I think, for a handful of ROC teams because they were supposed to run at Shemung this weekend, but that got rained out as well, too. And I know there was a couple cars that got damaged at Lancaster last week, most notably uh, Amy Catalano and Daryl Lewis Jr. Uh, gave them an extra week to uh, make repairs to their cars, and uh, hopefully they'll be back for the Oswego date this Saturday as well. So that'll do it. Next Sunday we'll be back, hopefully. I don't think I don't think Terry Pagula will do a press conference on Mother's Day, so you know we, we should be back at our normal time. We'll have a uh, night race to talk about uh, next week for uh, the spring, uh, the oops, I almost said the S word, uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series uh, to talk about. Plus, we'll recap today's Talladega race to do. And if you're watching the race today or listening here on WGR, be sure to uh, keep the conversation going on social media. Hit us up on Twitter at Fast Track 550, and we'll talk to you next Sunday here on WGR.